Hey guys, and welcome back to my podcast, Bipolar Disorder. You're never alone with your host, John. So I'm going to be um, dedicating this podcast to the men. I feel like there's a lot of stigma on what is to be a man with mental health, let alone a man alone. Um, we are branded since birth that men should not cry, be affectionate, or be emotional, because that would mean either that they're gay or... They're weak, which, like I said before, is none of the above. I, f- I find that it, when I speak up, because I really cannot do something as frustrating as it is, it is always best to ask for help than to struggle and never accomplish what you wanted to do. <clears throat> so I want to start talking about what was going on before my, my, my diagnosis. I have bipolar disorder type 1. Um, my moods consist on more and of anger, highs, uh, impulsive and impulsiveness, um, hypersexuality. In a case, happened. You know, there's a lot of things. So it all. I first started to feel weird when I hit puberty, which I felt like it wasn't puberty because none of my friends were behaving the way that I was behaving. I had no one to relate to, no one to talk to. I did speak to some of my other friends that were guys, because, you know, girls, um, if they hit puberty and have their period, um, not taking away of the seriousness of what they're feeling, but, you know, even it's not the same because it's something that comes once a month. Bipolar disorder can hit you any time, any day, any hour. It doesn't matter. So when I was... In the seventh grade, like I said, I first started noticing that I was very angry all the time without no reason. I would get upset, sad, and even emotionless at times. So I knew that something was going on that wasn't puberty, but, you know, I went to the doctor and he said that that's normal, that it all will pass once I finish the process, which it never did. So I felt like I wasn't taken seriously. And, you know, it really, like, hindered my life in very negative ways. Um, another thing that I noticed that I, how I was behaving was very irrationally, nothing consistent, a lot of things out of character. And I was really worried that I was going crazy. Because, like I said, I had no access to this type of information whatsoever. So it made it a lot more difficult than it should be. Um, So the next thing I want to talk about is how I was dealing with the changes. So at first I remember, you know, keeping to myself. I'm one to suffer alone, so I never spoke, spoke up about what was going on to my mom, family members, or anyone. Because the times that I did, I mean, reveal my diagnosis, people changed the way they saw me, the way they treated me. And I get it. I completely understand that they may not do it on purpose, but it doesn't change the fact that it does. Another thing that I did was even though I was, you know, having this impulses that were out of character, I will always man up and assume the consequences of my actions because... Um, I see a lot of people using that bipolar disorder as a crutch. I feel that's very hurtful into what it's like to understand what it's like to have the mental illness because not all of us, but some of us, 
you know, milk it till the end and it's more something of getting attention and, you know, being, you know, I don't know, sad. And, and instead of looking for information, they just like make excuses after excuse of, of whatever it is they did. And that's something that I really want to change, especially in men. Because we are allowed to have our own emotions, be affectionate, be sad, cry, you know, be there for others. And it doesn't impact you, not you, well, yeah, you, but the you that you are, essentially. Um, Another thing that I wanted to talk about was, um, I have the list here, was what I thought was happening I remember thinking, oh, it's already said that. I thought I was going crazy. So the moment I got my not my diagnosis, uh, I had a lot of mixed feelings. The first one that I felt, and I remember this like it was yesterday. I was diagnosed when I was like 20, so I was diagnosed late. People thought it was puberty or just me seeking attention, which was not the case. So when I heard the doctor said that I was bipolar, in fact, the first thing that I felt was a sense of relief and a sense of, you know, I could justify with information on why I was acting this way and I, and I felt seen and heard, you know, because I was really struggling. Uh, and I always kept to myself because, you know, men are taught since the dawn of time that they are the rock of the family they should not show emotions. They only need to do what they're supposed to, and that's totally wrong, because we have to help each other. Um, um, the other thing that I felt when I first um, heard the diagnosis was I felt scared, because I didn't know what it meant for me and how it will impact my life. I knew that I was going to start to take medication, but I mean, that wasn't one of the problems. The problem was that how I was going to explain to people that I'm bipolar. I didn't even know what bipolar meant. I mean, I had an idea, like I said, but like since I didn't have anyone to relate to or any like source of information regarding the diagnosis, I, was, I felt helpless and really alone. And when I say really alone, it's, it's not that I like my loved ones, my mom, my, my dad, my siblings, my significant other or whatever. It's just that I felt alone even though I was so surrounded because I never felt seen or understood. So that really hindered my my healing. So the moment I knew my diagnosis, the other thing that I want to talk about is how the doctor explained to me um, what I had. He just said I was bipolar, type 1. He didn't really get into the information. He didn't explain to me what it meant, just other than I was going to have mood changes and it was gonna be controlled by medication. Other than that, he said nothing. The other things that I learned with the ongoing years that came by was by myself. I remember he just gave me the diagnosis and he just gave me the prescription. He didn't even explain what he was giving me, what the medication was gonna do and what to expect. He didn't warn me about not driving under until I know how the medication like adjusted. I adjusted to the medication, so that was another problem. So I was really upset that the doctor didn't really go into the information. I felt like he just wanted to get me out of the way and just get the next patient patient, 
and just you know move on and that was really hurtful because I, I felt lost and I was scared and I felt alone and didn't understand what was going on and much and even less what to expect with the diagnosis um, what the doctor explained to me, like I said, was just that I was just going to get mood swings and it was going to be controlled by medication. And another thing that he said that um, this was a trial and error period that he was going to send me medication. He was going to see me back for a follow-up and let me know so I can give him the feedback to see if the medication was working. Um, the, the type of medications that I was under was lithium. At first it was three times a day, the lowest dose. And just like a month after that, I got um, up to the high, high dosage twice a day. Um, he didn't explain to me the side effects of lithium long term, which is kidney damage, with, which I started to have. But we caught it in time and the kidney didn't suffer permanent damage. I was able to reverse it, but I'm still sometimes in a little bit of pain. The next one that I was described, which I fucking hated, it was clonopin. It literally, that turned me into a zombie. I could never remember anything that I did. I lost interest in everything that I love, which is writing poetry, um, painting, sketching, going to the beach. I used to surf. So I just was lingering. I was just existing. And I didn't really like how that kind of drug helped me. I mean, helped me and how it made me feel. The other ones that I got was Ambien and Lunesta for sleep because um, I cannot, once I get into bed and I turn off everything, my mind is racing so fast that it's really hard for me to go to sleep. So I suffer from insomnia. So I got prescribed. First I got um, Ambien and, and they had to switch that immediately because um, it started to give me very extreme horrible hallucinations. So they switched me to Lunesta, which it happened. But, you know, less intense. I remember that one time with um, Ambien, I was at my house and I remember that I was just like, remember looking at a light. And when I like realized what I was staring at, it was one of the lights at the baseball park that was like a five minute walk away. I was completely on my underwear and I didn't know what was going on or how I got there. So they had to eliminate any type of sleeping medication because they give me hallucinations and make they make me sleepwalk which is which I used to do when I was a kid I also have really horrible night terrors but as an adult I have never I know that Robert says that I talk on my sleep and I move and I all sometimes sit down and I even stand up and just like talk to nothing with my eye my eyes closed and he just goes up to me and just like takes me to bed and just you know helps me lay down Another one that I got was like Soloft. Soloft gave me suicidal thoughts. So they um, I, they were weird because it's not like I was planning on how to die, like hanging, hanging myself or, you know, overdose. It's just sometimes I was driving and if I saw a truck, I would desperately wish or even like picture the whole thing that the truck didn't stop and it just destroyed my car and killed me instantly and you know like hoping for death because for the longest time I felt like I really just wanted to die and disappear just because I didn't know how to expect and how to react and how to behave with this whole medication thing and the diagnosis the other one that I got was Depakote which gave me horrible migraines and it made my hair fall out and I gained a little bit of weight I had to remove that immediately also 
Um, since lithium makes me a little bit hyper, I get like the shaky hand syndrome where you're just shaking your hands all the time, even though if you don't want to. If it, it's like if you were cold, so you're trembling all the time. So they prescribe something to contra or whatever, you, however you say it. Um, I know how to say it in Spanish, but I forgot in English anyway. To stop the, that um, hyper sensation that I got after the lithium and it helped with my hands. But I felt like it was stupid that they were giving me one pill for something and another pill to, you know, eliminate the side effects of the medication that was actually going to help me out with bipolar. Um, the other one that I remember is Wellbutrin, but that really didn't really do anything. And I was really, like, upset because, like, I, like the doctor said it was a trial and error error period but still it was really really hard and confusing um i remember that i used to self-medicate because i i was on and off treatment because i really felt bad i felt like i was losing myself like my spirit was being crushed by the medication i people didn't even recognize me a lot i lost the weight right now i'm at 160 i used to weigh 120 at the most so I was really skinny, but it was all because of the medication. And i rather have people think that I had an addiction problem instead of explaining to them um, well, that, I have bi- that I have bipolar because in my mind, people treat you differently if you're an alcoholic or if you, or if you have a, a dependency on any painkillers or any meds because it's curable, but bipolar isn't. So automatically you see how people change the way they even speak to you. So that's really hurtful and, you know, really, really hurtful and disrespectful. Um, How long it took for it to start working the medication? Really, it was a really, really hard process. It wasn't after the first year and a half that they actually find the correct combination that was actually working for me. But they kept the clonopin because they had to have a, had a, an antipsychotic, I think, or something. That was, that's what they say. So, um, like I said, after like a year and a half, I started to be a little bit more focused, more with more control over my actions. You know, I was able to process things better and faster but it did I don't take away the fact that it you know it hindered my way of being you know and I know that doctors right now mental health doctors are backed up but they need to take the time to listen to the patient on what and how they're feeling and going through because that's essential for our well-being so um the first positive things that I started noticing was like I first started to feel more confident uh, I started to be more outgoing I started doing the things that I loved um, I was more social people noticed the change immediately but like I always say you never know the true side of anyone because that side we ourselves keep even sometimes you know secret to our own selves and it's just there but not addressed so it was really hard the negative changes the um the insomnia the hallucinations the not remembering things the um the the 
fact that I lost who I was, I felt like was I was just going through the motions instead of like I usually do push through everything. So it was really hard and complicated at that time at first, but you know, it got better with time. Guys, I want to take a chance to, rem to remind you that this isn't a professional advice or, or recommendation. This is just my experiences from my own point of view, as transparent as possible, because my goal, guys, is to help others feel less alone. Because when I first started the whole, this whole chaotic journey, I felt alone, even though I was so surrounded by loved ones. Um, the other thing that I wanted to talk about is how I felt like what I felt when society looked at me. I mean, when it's personal, on the personal um, basis, people changed the way they treated me and in a professional way. I never revealed to my you know, employer that I have bipolar until after they see how well I work. Because I want to, you know, let them know that even though that I have the disease, so instead of them judging me or expecting a negative outcome just because of my diagnosis, they can see that it's sometimes it's not 24-7 that I'm behaving the way that I am. I'm lucky to have such understanding bosses, but, you know, with men's health and equality, I mean, I, I am up for equality, men and women alike, but sometimes I feel like men get the short end of the stick, for example. I was sexually harassed at my um, previous employer and it was because of a girl that was, you know, sexually harassing me at work. And I complained and I had to wait almost two weeks. And that was me, two weeks, because I every day I went to my boss and I asked, when, when is the meeting happening? I need to get this out of the way. This is distracting me too much. Because I tend to obsess about anything and everything that I cannot resolve at the moment. The reason behind this is like I feel like I don't have control of my own emotions. In order for me to feel like confident and, you know, positive is to, you know, get the feedback from you guys. And, you know, thank you so much for it. It really motivates me even more every day. And, you know, I felt that society saw me as a weakling, as someone that cannot be trusted. So, like I said, I keep the bipolar part of me to myself until I can show the, per the person or the, or the people that I'm just like them, just that I have rougher days than most people. So, after that, um, the way that I felt after, you know, my diagnosis and how I felt like my family members, friends saw me was very hard, even harder than strangers because I expected more. But it's just, that's on me because I always expect more because I always give like 200% at always of myself. And once I have the wrong idea that I expect that people are gonna treat me the same way that I would treat them because the way that I treat people is how I want to be treated by others. So when my family members, I told them they changed, they really didn't look, on the, look up the information, basically. They just went with the little information I can tell them, but it didn't change the fact that they were like, looking at me and I feel like they were judging me and I couldn't like 
have any emotions because you know it's really hard to explain yourself because at some most of the times you don't even know why you're angry or why you're sad that's the problem is that you don't know why you're that way because if we knew why we were sad angry or whatever we we would get options to see how we can fix it but it's really hard to explain when you don't understand your own feelings to someone that has no idea how it is to have bipolar Another thing that I wanted to tell you guys, never allow anyone to take your power away from you. You are entitled to be sad, angry, upset, whatever. You could have a bad day. You dropped the keys on the, on on a storm drain. You forgot your wallet at home and you're halfway to work. You know, we can get angry, sad, anything without having to be tied up to a mood swing. And I, at first time my podcast, most of my audience were women. So I wanted to change that and started to do more videos about me breaking down, you know, crying after a breakdown. Because I really want to break the stigma that, that it is out there when it, when it comes to men's mental health. Um, how I saw myself, I saw myself as a person that I needed to be extra careful. careful because, you know... I tend to be very impulsive and it's really hard to control, especially because most of the times I do not notice until somebody tells me, hey, you're behaving weird, or you're behaving too angry, you need to chill out. But once they tell me, I readjust my way of thinking and just move on. Like I said, I like I feel like I can't control my emotions. I need, I need to control everything else around me in order to have a little peace of mind within all the chaos that is ramping in my life so what this meant for me was that yeah I had the validation that you know I have I had I knew what was going on with me and I had that a few tools to help me you know get better but it, it was still really hard and it took a really long time the key guys is that you have to want it to get it because if you don't do it and you have to do it for yourself you don't you cannot do it for a family member just because you see or feel that you're hurting them because you're gonna like end the treatment before it starts to work i have been mentally (coughs) hospitalized just partially i had to go to the mental hospital like every day for 14 days (coughs) from 8 in the morning till 6 p.m you know, having therapy, which did not work. And this was the first time that I uh, I seek professional help other than my psychiatrist because I, def- I couldn't deal with what was going on and I didn't understand what was going on either. Um, so I decided to stop my treatment after my 23rd birthday, which was September 3rd of last year because I remember that I had a panic attack at work and I took a clone of him, but the doctor failed to you know, give me the information that I was, my dosage was upped uh, by five milligrams, but that was a lot because it was clonoping. So I remember taking the medication at work. The panic attack went away, but I don't remember anything else after that day. I ended up in a car accident. Luckily, no one was hurt but myself. It was like I really totaled my car. I don't remember anything of that data after like two o'clock. And the thing is that it was really intense because I, I had the, like this huge bruise on my chest and on my leg and on my rib cage. And I woke up in pain and I didn't know what, 
I what was going on. I felt like somebody gave me a beating. But yeah, it was like the whole accident thing. I was really hurt, but I was okay. And when I stepped out and see that the car was really a mess and it was not fixable, that's when the reality hit. Guilt is something that I struggle with a lot. It really like affects like 80% of my day. Even in a normal day, it really affects me very badly. I wrecked my car again. This is the first time, the third time that I have been in a car accident because of medication. So I decided to switch to cannabis. So I, I started with edibles because I wanted to see how I felt and they were so much better. I could concentrate more. I was focused. I, was, I had more energy. I felt relaxed. The noise in my head went away. Then I moved to what it was like actually the flower. That's what they call the marijuana strain. The, the bush is a flower. And I have been so much better. I have been doing excellently great at work because of it. Because I can actually function. Not like when I was with the medication that I was just existing. Just on the passenger side. Just, you know, not being interested in anything or everything. So it was really a hard process, but once I started with the cannabis, I I recommend that you do what I did. I, I spoke to my psychiatrist first before I did this. He recommended that I shouldn't have, but I needed to try something else because my life was really going downhill from the first time that I got diagnosed. I was abusing pills, you know, my painkillers, because people think that I was taking them just to get high, when it was really the opposite. I was really taking them to numb every emotion because I, I felt like I had to remain strong, not cry, not show emotion because that what we get branded into our minds once we're born as a man, as male. So, guys, really, thank you so much for tuning in and listening to this podcast. I'm going to be uploading a few new episodes. So, guys... Thank you so much for the support that you have shown me so far. I am here always if you ever need to talk, vent, bitch, anything, no judgment, because I cannot judge you. Who am I, right? My if when you have uh when your house is made of glass, you cannot throw stones at the other house. Because yours is gonna break even more. That's in Spanish and in Spanish saying is so goes something like this. No puedes tirar una piedra a otra casa cuando tu techo es de cristal. Basically, it means the same trans, trans, The translation is that one. Most importantly, guys, the mantra that I use every day that I'm not feeling myself is one day a battle, one day a victory. But most importantly, guys, one day at a time. Thank you so much for tuning in. And I, I'll keep up posting my videos and everything so others feel less alone. Help me with the hashtag. I'm using hashtag never alone. Hashtag bipolar disorder. And the other one that I always or try to always add is mental health matters. Hashtag. Guys, again, thank you. Be talking to you soon.